Hello and welcome to our niche cast. This is Future of Work number five, I think. Is that right, Dan? I think so, yeah. <laughs> we're coming to you from London. I think last time we spoke, we were in Las Vegas and we had all the background noise of Unleash America. So back to normality for us one month later. Getting that. Trying. Um, so yeah, this is Ali Navra. I'm a senior journalist here at Unleash and I'm joined by fellow senior journalist Dan Richardson. How are you doing today, Dan? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, um, it's another beautiful day in London. What else would you expect? And I can confirm that we're on Future of Work Focus number four. Number four? (laughs) But I am present. We thought we were more efficient than we actually are, is what has been proven today. And how are you, Ellie? I'm good. I am very pleased that it is, you know, 23-ish degrees and not any warmer. Um, (laughs) This is pretty ideal for me. Yeah, I'm good. I am feeling, I've had a coffee. I am raring to go. Right, we've got lots to talk about, yeah. so it's a good job you've had a coffee. <laughs> um, we've got three options. Three options. I think it might be good to start off with an interview you did with Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that suits you, yeah. say now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> I won't hold this one against you. Right. So could you tell me a little bit about it? Well, I've actually already sub-edited it, so I know a bit about it, but maybe tell everyone who's listening. Yeah, sure. So back in... Ooh, middle of May, I went to Canary Wharf, very far away from my mm-hmm. house, um, to go to Microsoft's Envision conference. And they had, you know, speakers from uh, Microsoft UK, CEO Claire Barkley, as well as some people from CBI and a few clients. And it was basically just to discuss everything that Microsoft does, but they also obviously, a lot of what Microsoft does is to do with the workplace, you know, Microsoft Teams, etc. Um, So yeah, so I had the great pleasure of talking to Nick Kederman, who kind of heads up some of the future of work side of Microsoft UK. I think, I don't know if you'll agree with this, Dan, but the thing that I found most interesting about my chat with Nick was we talked a lot about kind of the future of work, but he talked, he's very pro async work, Mm -hmm. asynchronous work. And I think that's interesting. I don't hear people like... Yeah, well, I think the the issue is there's the Royal Mail isn't as good at postcards as it used to be. No, uh... So I, I think asynchronous is, is great as long as you understand that it is asynchronous, which maybe sounds quite silly, but if you get an email at, say, 8 or 9, it's understanding mm. that it's not your job to read it now. But I think that's a really hard boundary to yeah. set, because I think it goes almost into personality, not culture. I think, I think it's a combination of the two, because, as you said, I think it is a personality thing, but then you need to have the culture to go, there is, you need to not worry because, but I think that's where a lot of companies don't have that. Like, are you, if someone calls you at 8 p.m., are you expected to pick up? Or are they just calling you? They're going to leave you a message. You can check it in the morning. But that's what I thought was interesting is Nick kind of saw async as a solution to presenteeism, which we talk about a lot and yeah. kind of the proximity bias. But he did obviously acknowledge that there's an issue with boundaries. And he was saying what he does personally is make sure that if he's ever sending an email outside of kind of nine to five standard working hours because it suits him because he's like traveling back or yeah, yeah. he's put his kids to bed and he's like oh actually let me just do a bit of work because i want to get this done mm-hmm. friday evening i want to just get it done then not worry about it over the weekend is he'll put at the top you know like i'm sending this now no expectation to reply mm-hmm. and i think that's almost powerful because you could see it and then you'd be like okay yeah. i'll worry about it on monday but i think there's a real issue and i we talk, we've done a lot of pieces on this, haven't we, about, you know, 
leaders need to lead by example you know they need to take their lunch break they need to finish at five if you don't work asynchronously they need to be like i work a nine to five i'm gonna log off at five (laughs) or even if they don't log off at least give the like view that they're saying goodbye you know we do that at five every day we all say goodbye yeah we do and john our editor says goodbye too i don't know if he does a bit more work but we don't feel like he's being like oh i'm still here so you have to still be here yeah no i think it's a really good point isn't it Nick has some really interesting thoughts and I think about what I said about the post office I agree with pretty much most of them if not all of them I think it is really important to um, to essentially for managers to log off even if they're not logging off basically mm. to almost give permission yeah. it seems weird that you you know that we as adults in the world, working world still kind of crave that permission but I do think it's really important I think we sometimes forget that um basically people's minds like to think about work more than they should. <laughs> I think it's just, and we'll get onto this in a minute, but I think it's just, you know, people are worried about their job or you're worried about mm-hmm. making a good impression at work. You don't want to be seen as slacking. So people would rather be seen as overworking than as slacking. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of finding the middle boundary, which is like, just because you lock off at five doesn't mean that you're slacking. Yeah. It's all about outcomes, not input, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think I'm a, I'm a big believer of finish, finish at the appropriate time because it shows that you can do your work effectively. <laughs> um, not to say that you can't if you, you know, there is reasons that you have to work late yeah. or whatever. But I, I just don't think it's a good culture to be like, I'm working late all the yeah. time I think you and I'm ask. always available I think it really sets like we we do have that quite a lot don't we where we have interviews and they'll want to do it at 7pm yeah, yeah. and maybe sometimes you'll do it but you will we will kick up not not yeah. a bit of a fuss it'd be like you know this is a one-off because you don't want to create the expectation that every time you work with that PR yeah. you're willing to work you know three hours almost mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you could log off at five and log back on at seven, but you're not really going to be switching off no. from work, are you? You're still going to be like, oh, no, what time is it? Make sure you're ready, yeah, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. I think it's really hard. I think that leads us on quite nicely, though, to this other piece we wanted to talk about, which was the Insight Global study. Do you want yeah. to give us a bit of an overview? Yeah, uh, I do, because I wrote this one. <laughs> um, so and I subbed it. <laughs> so this one is really interested in light and it's very much again in the future of workspace because not everything's a certainty although it increasingly feels like it is in this case so 78 percent of u.s workers fear for their jobs if there's a recession um it's a frightening start i think Mm. i think there's one thing i didn't say in this article which i feel i should contextualize beforehand which is the article reads fine by the way if you are checking it out but we have lived through a recession uh a huge recession, the biggest since the Great Depression mm-hmm. in 2008. Yeah. So I think what informs, what I'd imagine what informs a lot of these answers is that, yeah, a lot of people have lost their jobs in the last 15 years. Yeah. Already, we've seen this in our own lifetimes, and unfortunately, we're seeing it again. Um, all the, that crypto, crypto winter and all that stuff, it feels like it's yeah. we're on a tipping point of layoffs, aren't we? And I, I think there's loads of concerning things about it. I think, first of all, that 63% of women in comparison to 43% of men are concerned about losing their jobs. To me, indicates an, an imbalance. Maybe it's proximity bias. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just maybe it's just sexism. Do you think it's also maybe potentially the jobs that yeah. they're doing? Because there's, that was a lot of the issue, isn't it, in terms of women leaving the workforce is they're often doing more frontline 
work exactly. or kind of shift work because potentially have to fit it around picking up kids from school mm-hmm. and therefore you know those are potentially some of the jobs that will go first yeah, yeah. I think what what was shocking to me in the study was how employees believe this but how managers also think that it's going to happen yes and kind of so it's like they're right to be afraid which is not nice like you yeah. don't, you, what you wanted to say is like they're afraid but they shouldn't be well, yeah, but and unfortunately, I think it was like over 80% of managers were like, yeah, we're, we're, un- we're anticipating it. It's one of those, it's just incredibly dreary statistics, unfortunately, where mm. people are nervous. They unfortunately have a right to be nervous. I think maybe some organisations will be happy that they can finally close down the hybrid talks and just be like, do what we tell you. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's... Yeah, I mean, long term, though, that's not that's not that's a short term solution, isn't it? Because long term, you lay a bit like some of the issues that the airlines are facing, right? Where they had to lay off all these people in COVID because, you know, you couldn't fly, you couldn't go anywhere. But now they can't recruit again because people don't want to do that job or, you know, the pay's not that good. And they're like, actually, I'd rather not be traveling across the world and having no work life balance or little work life balance because, of, you know, having all those shifts and whatever. Well, expect- expectations change with our societal norms. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do honestly think if we go into a recession, people will probably accept that they just earn less yeah. with inflation and stuff like that. It's one of those. It's really depressing now. Maybe next year when we look at mm. where the situation is, people will say, oh, well, I only got my 3% pay rise and I was grateful for it because the 10% they mm. w- were, were asking for is just, just hasn't worked out and then you have a recession on top of I it. I think it's hard though, isn't it? Because people are worried about their job. There's a cost of living crisis. I mean, we were joking a little bit earlier, but like fewer and fewer people are buying. You see them fewer and fewer people with prep bags in the morning, which kind of shows that everyone's like, oh no, I've got to bring my breakfast from home. Yeah. And I think... As you wrote in the piece, obviously there's going to be there's going to be some layoffs. It's going to be really horrible. But for the companies that aren't going to do layoffs, they need to be really clear and reassure their employees and be like really. Tra- or if they are going to do yeah. it, they need to be really transparent. And I think that's almost maybe more important is have yeah. the communication rather than give them a pay rise. Just be like, hello. Yeah. Let's have a discussion about the fact that right now we're not going to do layoffs, but maybe in six months we'll have to reconsider, but we'll keep you in the loop. Yeah. We'll support you. Maybe if we lay you off, we'll give you some training. I can't remember which company it was that was doing that, but there was one company we talked to who, they when they had to put people on furlough, when they had to lay people off, they kind of kept them in a like a loop of kind of learning and development so that they didn't have to kind of just... Drop, fall off a cliff and be like, what? What do I do now? Yeah, I, th- I can't remember who. It I was. think it's essential that you give workers enough foresight if if things may go pitong to, to sort of say, you know, maybe now is the time to start looking elsewhere, or you know, they can independently yeah. make that decision. Equally, if things are going well mm. or against against the grain, you need to communicate that because you don't know that the employee believes yeah. that they might think, oh, well, maybe I should move move on because. I don't know how we're doing financially and no one said anything to me. Yeah. I think as well, like, obviously the Great Resignation is also happening in a kind of, you know, there are quite a lot of jobs out there. They're not necessarily the, they're not necessarily the equivalent jobs, if that makes sense. But at the same time, if people are worried about being laid off, maybe they'll jump ship now. Yeah. Which is not necessarily, whereas actually, if they stay put with their company, they might get a better deal long-term financially 100%. because they're already in the company. Whereas if you jump ship... Because the first people they lay off are the new employees. People are in because it's just first in, first out. Just because it's like 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not necessarily the right thing to do, but it's quite a standard approach to layoffs. Yeah. So I do worry that companies need to do something. Silence is never the answer, is it? No, and um, yeah, I, I think honesty and communication. And we talk about this all the time. I remember when we spoke to Charlie HR months and months ago, mm. basically what was said was if the CEO during the pandemic was telling you that everything's great, then you knew they were like, so it's, there's an honesty layer to that as well, I think. I think so too. I think, I mean, that leads us on very well to the next piece, really, which was about about honesty and transparency and inclusivity, right? So, um, John, our editor, did a podcast, very good podcast, give it a listen, (laughs) with Harvey Nash, Sam Bailey. Harvey Nash is a a big friend of Unleash, but uh, Sam has been talking a lot in Pride Month, but we wanted to do kind of a a podcast about it, but also kind of what people can do long-term around Pride Month. Yeah, it's... It's a really great podcast. I feel like I shouldn't go too much into it purely because... We want you to listen to yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Um, listen but, to it from Sam's, you know, straight out of Sam's mouth rather than our summary of it. Yeah, but I, I think the real big takeaway I took from it is maybe... Well, no, it is. It's not maybe. It's going beyond Pride Month, really. Mm. And it, you know, it's, 12, it's not just getting the flags out or changing your your banner or your logo yeah um you know it's 12 months a year and it needs to be that these conversations are normalized yeah i don't think it should be oh it's a hot topic for a month yeah and if we have any of our prs listening really sorry but we were talking earlier that that's what we see a lot it's like here's a a loose tangent story related to pride (laughs) month you know get it over but it's no we want to hear about inclusivity stories and diversity stories all all year round and I think businesses should operate like that too 100% I think the other thing that Sam said that was really interesting is he talked a lot about neutrality um, and the kind of links to that like if you have the right environment if you have an inclusive environment you will attract diverse candidates you don't need to be putting ridiculous amount of social media posts in Pride Month if you actually have the culture and you have people going around their day-to-day lives talking about how inclusive your culture is and how you know you did trans awareness training in January not in June you know that is going to be a positive thing for you and it's free advertising your employees are your best advocates Mm -hmm. if you can get them talking about how amazing that they find working at your company because everyone can be their true selves then people will want to come and work at your company rather than just you changing your logo to a rainbow for one month of the year yeah i hit the nail on the head i'll say diversity attracts diversity i think if you can see it's a diverse workplace you're more likely to yeah to want to work there i think so and i think it's like even beyond the diversity though it's obviously all the inclusion side so like it's like yeah so diversity but also yeah, I mean, to be fair, just the fact that you don't have a higher attrition rate of particular... Yeah. We wrote a piece, actually, about that, didn't we? About how learn... I wrote one yesterday about how learning and development is a big priority for, like, people of colour, for instance, but yeah. they're also being left out. Yeah. And yeah. it's, like, just kind of spotting those trends. Like, why are certain demographics leaving your workplace? Yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily because you're non-inclusive, but at the same time, if everyone doesn't have equal access to the same things, then you kind of are non-inclusive by default. Yeah, well, you know, it's the old adage, like, you should never psychoanalyze yourself, right? <laughs> no. But, but that's the hard things that companies are. Yeah. Um, and most companies are trying to address, but it is really a hard look in the mirror and saying, this is what we're missing. These are the trends we're finding and, and put themselves in a position to be informed about those trends and also to sit back and say, oh, actually, I not I am the problem, no. but we these are the problems this we're is facing. What, yeah. 
Uh, how can we address them? But I think, I think, but then that's why they go to external consultants and things like that. And it's why it's so powerful. Is it's really, it's really hard to take a kind of honest, as you said, honest look at yourself. But especially if it's like your company, especially if it's a small company, yeah. it can be quite hard. But I think the companies that do it well are really doing it very well, and they're ones that people should try and model. Yeah, and they're usually the people we speak to are unleash. Uh, unleash. So. That seems like a very good segue <laughs> to just say goodbye with yeah. Dan. No, but um, <laughs> th- thank you so much, Ali. For... Yeah, great chat. We will see you guys next month. Well, you'll hear from us before then. But another Future of Work podcast in a month. Is it a date in the diary, Dan? There is not, but there will be. <laughs> Bye.